Okay, we're learning down from Aleph. We're starting from Amar Avashi, three lines down on the Amud. And we're discussing Amachlutzin, Rabbi Lazar, and Rabbi Yochanan. So let's just go over the concept and we'll jump in. So what's going on is that Shviyas, we learn, is so fastest as the mouth. What does that mean? It means that Shemitah, the produce that grows, has certain sanctity, certain restrictions about what you are allowed to do with it, what you're not allowed to do with it. You're supposed to eat it, a certain time frame, a certain way, not waste it, not profit from it, different, different restrictions. So what happens if it's sold? So if it's sold, we learn that the money which is transferred in place with the produce gets the Kedusha of Shviyas. That's the, the, the Halacha. The Halacha is that it's Hephaestus, is the map. Whatever money comes in for, them, for the produce also gets the Kedusha of Shviyas. But then an interesting thing happens. The produce is still Kaddish, right? The produce never, never loses Kedusha. But the money, if it's then transferred onto something else, let's say you take the money and you go buy a piece of meat, so the meat now has the kedusha, but it, the money now loses its kedusha. So the original produce will always have a kedusha, but the item transferred for it will have kedusha. But then if it's transferred onto something else, then the last thing will have the kedusha, and the middle thing will come off. Then we had a machlokas between Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yochanan about the way that the kedusha is transferred. Everybody agrees that by derech mekach, when I buy something, if I buy something, then the kedusha is transferred. But what about derech chilo? Derech chilo means stam if a person owns two things. And they say, this is in place of that. Like by hektish, the treasury of the basic mikdash, the way that the kedusha is transferred is not only through selling, it's not only through purchase, but even derech chilo, stam if you deconsecrate it. If the hektish owns, the treasurer owns two things, and so he says, this should be in place of that, then a, a, a transfer, a switch occurs, and the second thing becomes kadosh. Meister Shini is also like that. The way that the deconsecration happens is not through a purchase necessarily, but um, the owner owns the money and he owns the fruit and he says that the money should be for the fruit. So that's called derechil. So we had a machlokas in Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yochanan if, 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 if Shemitah is nizchalil derechil or only derech makach. Rabbi Lazar holds that it's only derech makach, only by way of purchase. Rabbi Yochanan said no, it could be by way of purchase or even by way of chil, stam, where you own two things and you say this is in place of that. So now the Gemara clarifies the dispute. is only in regard to the original produce, meaning the first fruit. There, Rabbi Lazar was saying, because of the Xeris HaKasr, that it's only Derech Mekach. The Torah, remember, according to Rabbi Lazar, spoke about the laws of purchasing right next to the laws of Shemitah. What was the connection? The laws was, right, don't cheat in business and also keep Shemitah. Not Kesher. The Torah put them together to say that the Shemitah Kedusha is Nizchal only when you sell something. So the Torah, the context where the Xeris HaKazah was written, Zakhtar Vashi, is only Bepri Rishon when I'm dealing with the original fruit. That's where Rabbi Lazar is saying that it's only Derech Mekach, not Derech Hill. But Bepri Shani, when I'm going on the Pri Shani, meaning, what does Pri Shani mean? Let's say I'm dealing with the second produce, meaning if I have other money or another object that's paid for the, um, that, that's being paid now, so it's only in regard to the original produce where we're saying that it, where it works specifically, um, where, it, where, it's, where it works specifically, but from then and on, when I'm dealing with the demay of the shvias and I want to know how it becomes transferred, then everybody agrees it's even says the Gemara, but wait a second. Remember yesterday we brought a brisa to support Rebbe Lazar, which came from a case where a guy kept on making switches. And we kept on saying that the Bryce said, the Bryce said he bought and he bought. First, he remember, he, I think the case was he had the, the produce, and then it went produce to meat, meat to fish. I can't remember the last one, it was fish was one more. But it kept on saying he bought, he bought, he bought, he bought. 
And we're saying, why does the price keep on saying he bought? Why doesn't it just say he switched in his own property? Must be, it's only Nischal Derech Chilo. Derech Mekach, not Derech Chilo. So, so wait a second. Now we're saying that that's only true but for the first switch. But afterwards, it would be switched. Even Derech even Derech Chilo. So why is the Bryce that keep on saying Lakach? The answer is, I have done racial Lakach. Since the beginning of the Bryce, it started with Lakach because for the first switch, it's only, it only loses, it only transfers the Kedusha through, through purchase. So the end of the price also talks about a purchase, even though for the, after, the first, after the first transfer, uh, everybody would agree that even Derech Hilo, not Derech Mekach, would be transferred as well. That's the argument that Rav Ashi is making. So Rav Ashi is analyzing Rebbe Lazar's view. Rebbe Lazar's view is that it's only Nishal Derech Mekach. Rav Ashi is limiting where Rebbe Lazar said that. Rebbe Lazar only said that on the original produce transferred onto the next fruit, but at the next, next item, fruit, money, whatever it is. But after that point, everybody would agree that even Derech, even Derech Hillel, it would be transferred. So as the Gemara is that Rav Ashi's point true, is for if you know the Rav Ashi, it says, Mishish or Sel Shoshua. The guy has a Sela, that is Kedusha Shemitah. Now how does the Sela have Kedusha Shemitah? Obviously it means that the Sela was used to buy Kedusha Shemitah. So let's say there was an, I go and I buy Shemitah apples for a Sela. So now that Sela has Kedusha Shemitah. Now, but I want to buy a nice shirt. I have, I have an item that is Kedusha Shvius. I have a Sela coin, Kedusha Shvius, and I want to buy a suit. Now, what's the problem? Is that the way it is, is I can't buy a suit. Why? Why not? Why can't you take something that's Kedusha Shvius and buy a suit with it? So Rashi explains, because remember, what does the Torah say to do with the money or do with the stuff? For eating. It has to be something that's like eating. What does that mean? Something which is consumed quickly. If you buy a shirt or a suit, it's something which could last for many years, even beyond the scope. Scope of beer, scope of everything. So with Kedusha Shvius, you shouldn't buy a shirt. You should buy something that you're going to eat up, that you're going to use. It doesn't necessarily have to be food, but something that you're going to use up. A shirt is going to last, it's going to endure, you shouldn't buy it the way it is. So what do you do? He said, Yes, I have the seller with Kedusha Shvius and I want to buy a shirt. So I should go to a storekeeper that, that you're, you, know, you have a good relationship with. He's going to try to help you out. And we're going to do a whole trick. He said, I say to him, Give me a seller's worth of food, give it to me on credit. You know, give it to me for free. But no signal. The storekeeper gives it to him. And then at that point, um, I, and then at that point, I give him the seller. So what does that mean? When I give him the seller now, what, what's happening? The seller is being exchanged for the fruit that I just got. So the fruit that I just got, I'm good. But the seller, here's the key. The, 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 the seller now is, is now transferred from the seller, which is now desanctified, is losing the Kedusha. And now the produce is going to become Kedusha. There's a switch, and as I buy these fruits for the seller, I'm losing the kedusha on the seller. It's going to the store owner, and I now have fruits which don't have the kedusha. Okay, but that's no good because I need a seller to go to the suit store. Right? So what happens? Then I go back and I tell the store owner, "I repair This produce for you is a gift." He says this seller should be for you for a gift. So they're not making a switch now. Once the kedusha came off the coin and went on to the fruit, now we just make a swap. I give the store owner back his fruits, which have Kedusha Shvias. He gives me back the seller, which now does not have Kedusha Shvias. I take my seller, which is now Kedusha free. I go to the suit store, he keeps his fruits. Now, Lamaisa, the store owner has to be my friend to do that. Why? Because now his fruits have Kedusha Shvias. You think he necessarily wanted that? He originally had fruits with orange culture Kedusha Shvias. I then we made a swap with him. I gave him my seller, he gave me his fruits. Now the fruits have Kedusha Shvius, the seller does not. And then we swap them back as a, as a matana. 
So he gets the fruits back with Kedusha Shviyas, I get the salad back, which is not Kedusha Shviyas. So he kind of starts off a little bit worse than he was before. He was just sitting pretty with fruits that had no Kedusha Shviyas. He ends up with fruits that had Kedusha Shviyas. The reason why I think he might be okay with it is because fruits generally are sold to be eaten quickly. That's what fruits are. So if, you're an, if you own an apple store, it doesn't bother you that much if your apples turn into Kedusha. Now, if a random guy came over and asked you for it, you'd probably just like, get out of my face. But if it's someone you had a relationship with, you might, you might be happy to do him a favor. That's the way the bride starts advising someone who has a seller that has Kedusha Shviyas and wants to get rid of it so that he can buy a suit with the seller, he should go to a store owner, swap it for fruits, and then we make, fre- we make presents back to each other. He gives me my, my Kedusha free seller now back. I give him his Kedusha Peros back, and we part ways. So now Rava makes this point, here you're dealing with Prishani. Why? Because you're dealing with the money. The money is pre-shaney. The money is not the original thing that grew out of the ground. If I have a seller as Kedusha, obviously it was something which was bought. That's what happened. I originally must have bought some item of Kedusha. It, might have, it must have been some switch which took place. So we're dealing with a pre-shaney. When the bride says, hey, how we should make the exchange, it always says I go to a store owner and I, and I, and I have to keep on buying. Why do you make it so complicated? Why do I have to go to a store owner and buy? Why can't I just do it with my own produce and my own property? Let's say I have my own property. I have an apple that doesn't have Kedusha Shviyas. I switch the seller onto the apple. And now I take the seller, which has no Kedusha Shviyas, and I go to the suit store. Why? Why make it so complicated? I go to the store, and at first I buy the fruits, and then I have to exchange it back to get my seller for my ton. Must be. You know why? Because you can't switch Kedusha through Derech Buy two items in your own property. It must be that you need the store owner. You have to make purchases. If you have to make purchases, then we can understand it. But the point Ravina is making is that this is pre-shaney. You're not dealing with the original produce. Ravashi was trying to say when it gets to pre-shaney, everybody agrees that even Derek Hill is fine to switch the Kedusha. Here you see, even when you're dealing with pre-shaney, you're dealing with not the original item of Kedusha. You're dealing with the cell of Kedusha. Still, it's only when you can do it by way of purchase that it will transfer. Just the opposite. is only with the secondary thing. The money, the object that was exchanged for the original Shemitah produce. That's where there's a dispute. If it's Derech Hillel, Derech Mecha. region, we deal with the original produce. Just the opposite. Even Rabbi Yochanan agrees that in the original produce, it's only Derech Mecha, not Derech Hillel. The dispute is on the pre-Shaini. There, Rabbi Lazar says the pre-Shaini is only Derech Mecha. Yochanan says the pre-shain is even derech So now the Gemara goes back and says, what about the b'raisa that we learned yesterday that say, seemed to say that even original produce could be deconsecrated? For all the we said yesterday, we said even shmita stuff or maizr shaini stuff can be deconsecrated. We were talking about onto live animals or dead animals, the b'raisa mentioned. So if now we're saying that it's only by way of purchase, if the original produce, everybody agrees, only on the way of purchase. So what does it mean? I thought we are saying original produce cannot be nischalo. It could only be purchased, not nischalo. We have to say when it says it doesn't mean the original Shemitah produce. It means the Shviyas, the Shemitah money. The Tana wasn't talking about the original produce. He was talking about the, 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 the something that was transferred, like the money of Shemitah, and then he was saying whether or not you could transfer it onto animals. If you wouldn't say like this, Meiser, Meiser, Mamish, you think the Bryson was talking about Meiser, Shani that's being swapped onto an animal? Everybody agrees that original Meiser, Shani has to be swapped only onto money. 
The Torah says, Zitzarta Kesef Biyatva. You can't put Miser Shani Kedusha onto a live animal. Ela de Me Miser Hanami de Meshvi is the price. It must be talking about money of Miser Shani, not the original fruit of Miser Shani I'm swapping onto a live animal. It has to be talking about money that was switched for the Miser Shani that now I'm putting onto the animal. So to a Shvias, it's not talking about the original Shemitah, it's talking about the Demei Shvias, which is being switched onto, money, uh, onto the animal. So let's make a summary of what we have. We have a Yisoy that Shemitah's Kedusha can be transferred. That definitely is true. But in what form is it transferred? We're coming out that everybody agrees that the original Shemitah produce, the Kedusha is only transferred onto another item, Derech Mekach. That means by way of a purchase. If I stam own two items and I say the Kedusha of the Shemitah that's on the fruit should go onto something else, nothing happens. I can't, it's not, it doesn't work like that. It's only derech mekach, by way of purchase. When I take something and I exchange it, I buy uh, the, 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 the something of, of Shemitah, then the money now is imbued with Kedusha. That's the only way for the original item of Kedusha, of uh, Kedusha Shviyas, to switch its Kedusha onto, onto another item, is derech mekach, to start off. Now that I have a, a second item that's Kedusha Shviyas, how does that item switch its Kedusha? That's a dispute. That's a dispute. Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Yochanan. Rebbe Lazar says, Vaitar, only Darach Mecca. Always only Darach Mecca. Rebbe Yochanan says, no, no, no. The second item, the Kedusha will transfer even Darach Chilol. That's what we're coming out. And along the way, we learned some cool things. Like you can't buy a suit with Tamei uh, Shviyas. That's an interesting, interesting halach. You can't take Maizu Shani itself and put it onto live money. Maizu Shani also always has to go first onto money. We learned some interesting things along the way. Okay. Now we move on, and this is a good, nice little light sugya here about the way, whether or not the lulav is taken on Shabbos. Okay, so what's the halacha? We're very familiar, we don't take the lulav on Shabbos. But the Mishnah says, a very important thing, that all used to be with a little introduction. When the Beis HaMikdash stood, they were allowed to take it um, in the holy places, like in Yerushalayim, they were allowed to take it even on Shabbos. We have a whole thing, Xerah, we don't want people are going to come to carry, we're going to learn about but that didn't exist in the mission of time. Okay, that's an important thing. And what else do we know? We have the din that on the first day of Sukkot, you got to own your lulav. It's got to be yours. So the mission says, used to be in the base of Mikdash stood, the mitzvah was for all seven days. Even though the Torah says, but then it goes on to say in the Pasuk, you're going to be happy for seven days. How are you happy? You're happy with the lulav in Yerushalayim. That's the drasha. So it was a daraisa to take the lulav all seven days. But if you didn't live in Yerushalayim, it was outside from Medina, just somewhere random. It was only one day. That was the mitzvah. He makes a takana that you take for all seven days to remember the base of Mekdash. And that's what we do today. That's what we do today. We take the lulav and the on day two through seven to remember that in the base of Mekdash he did. In the base of Mekdash, only a Hashem for the seven days. But today we remember it. Another dinner of Yochum Zakai, the whole day of waving, it's Asr to eat Chadash. So, what is this talking about? So, on the 16th day of, of Nisan, there's a din that, that on that day you bring a karba and omer, you bring a little bit of a barley offering. And what does that barley offering achieve? That you're allowed to eat from the new crop. The new, all the new grains that grow are restricted from the end of the season, right? Which is they, they're finally ready to go at the very end of, you know, March and April, finally to get ready. You're not allowed to eat them until the carbon omer is brought. When the base of Mikdash stood, then you bring the carbon omer and then becomes mother. What happens after the base of Mikdash was destroyed? Then what's the halacha? So the halacha is that the day itself is matter. You don't have to wait for the carbon. There is no carbon you could bring. So the day itself is matter. But when on the day? You're not allowed to do it in the beginning of the, of the 16th day. You have to wait until the entire 16th day is over. 
Okay, and we'll see the reason why that is true. So the Gemara says, First, the Gemara is making Where does this? Where do we know that we're supposed to do such a thing? Hashkafik. How do we know we're supposed to make zeichel and mikdash? Amar Biyochanan to Amar Karaki. Allah Ruchal Akbar says, "I'm going to cure for you." For all your wounds are all going to be cured. Nu Hashem ki midachu karulach because the world is calling you a nidcha that we're Hashem rejected us. The world calls the the Jews the forsaken people, but really, what do they say? Tzion he that she is Tzion Doresh in law. Nobody cares about her. Nobody's looking for her. So we say Doresh in law. The world says about her that. Tzion, nobody's darshaning for her. We see that she requires Trisha. If there's no one who seeks her, that's an idea that we have to seek out Tzion. Very important thing. And the way that we seek Tzion is by remembering the base of Mikdash by those Takanas. What did the Mishnah say? That the whole day of waving is awesome. My time up. Here you the Mikdash. The base of Mikdash is going to be built really quickly. And without the Takana, people are going to say, Yesterday, we ate from the new grain as soon as daybreak came. Because it sounds like that's the halacha. If there's no base on Mikdash, then as soon as the 16th day comes, you're allowed to eat from the new grain. There is no carbon. There is no carbon to wait for. So people are going to say, we had breakfast with pancakes that we made from the new grain last year. So, so to this year, even though the base of Mikdash is rebuilt, we should eat from the new grain as soon as daybreak comes on the 16th. But what are they making a mistake? What's their, what, are they, what don't they realize? Yeah, last year, but there's no base of Mikdash That's the halacha. It was mutter as soon as daybreak came. But now the base of Mikdash is rebuilt. It's only with the krav of the Omer that you're allowed to eat the new grain. So they're going to make that mistake. And therefore, we say you're not allowed to eat from the new grain until the day is actually over. That was the Takar. So the Gemara says, oh, wait a second. Ibn Amos, when are we concerned the base of Mishra is going to be rebuilt? Elam and Ibn Abishitzar, if it's going to be rebuilt on the 16th day itself, sometime during the day. But that doesn't make sense. It was already mutter as soon as the day started. If let's say the base of Mishra is rebuilt at noon on the 16th day. But as soon as daybreak came, six hours earlier, it was already mutter to eat it. Remember, when the base of Mishra doesn't stand, it's mutter as soon as the day comes. So it was already mutter. It was already mutter. That can't be the concern. Ask me that your concern is going to be rebuilt on the 15th of Nisan or any point earlier. So, therefore, it's going to be ushered to eat the new grain with daybreak because it's all made for that krava to be brought. Says the Gemara, but why did Rabbi Yochan Medzaka have to be so extreme and say that it's ushered the whole day of the 16th to eat? I want to say, to, to say that you can't eat it for breakfast, I understand. But at least for lunch and on, you should be allowed to eat it. Why? It says, if you live far away from Yerushalayim, so you don't know exactly when they brought the carbon, how do you know when you're allowed to eat the new grain? So it says, it's mutter from Chatzos and the fish in Basin, it's Aslampo. Because the court is very much the reason Maktim and the mitzvahs, they take care of it in the morning. So you have like a guarantee that the carbon Omer was brought by midday. So if you have a guarantee that it was brought by midday, why is Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai saying that you have to wait after the entire day of the 16th to eat the carbon? You should just be, have to wait until Chatzos, but from Chatzos and on, you should be allowed to eat the new grain. If the whole concern is that people are going to be eating before the carbon, so restrict that you can't eat until lunch. Or from lunch and on, it should be fine. So the Gemara answers, We're concerned it was built right on the night, meaning... The night of the 16th, the base of Mikdash might be rebuilt during the night or right before sundown on the 15th. And in that case, what's going to happen? The whole Omer process is going to be delayed. Why? Because think about it. It's going to be such a billable, all this going on. And that night, you have to go cut the grain and then bring it as a carbon the next day. There's a lot going on. The base of Mikdash is being rebuilt that night. 
therefore, in that situation, we can't be guaranteed that the carbon to Omer is going to be brought in the morning of the 16th. It might get delayed until the afternoon. So therefore, Rabbi Yochum Zaka made a takana that the new grain is also the whole day of the 16th. Agav, it sounds like in the Gemara, that the, the base of Mikdash might be rebuilt in the night of the, during the night, which is a tremendous chiddush. You normally be paskin. The Rambam talks about this idea, the Gemara in Shavuot, that you're not allowed to build the base of Mikdash at night. How could the Gemara say it could be rebuilt at night? It's all din. So everybody's realizing the whole controversy. Is it going to be rebuilt? Who's that going to be rebuilt? Maybe it's just going to be a fire descent. Is it really going to be a binyan based on Mikdash? It's another controversy. This is the famous line in the Gemara over here with the din of night and the fact that it's going to be rebuilt and a bilbul. This is uh, some controversial lines in the Gemara about how exactly we pass. At any rate, that's why Yochum and Zaka is making the Takana. You're not allowed to eat until the whole day because of the possibility it's going to be rebuilt on the night of the 16th. It will delay the Hakrava of the Omer. A lot going on. It might not happen until the end of the day of the 16th. Rabbi Yochum and Zaka said, now even when we don't have a base of Mikdash, we're thinking about what will be, and therefore the whole day of the 16th, we don't eat Chadash. Says the Gemara, we could give a totally different shot. Until now, we've been saying it's a Gzeira that you can't eat. Now says Gemara, we're not going to use Rabbi Yochum and Zaka, which is Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yochum and Zaka is holding like the Tana Rabbi Yudah. No, when there's no base of Mikdash, it's also Midaraisa until the end of the 16th day. Why? What's the Lashon of the Pasuk? Top of the Ahmed base. It says, Ad etzem hayom hazeh. You're not allowed to eat until etzem hayom hazeh. Ad itzum hashayom. Etzem, Rabbi Yudah interprets, means the entirety of the day. Because however, ad, ad, bachlau, ad means and including. So you're not allowed to eat the carb, you're not allowed to eat the new grain until etzem hayom hazeh, until the etzem of this day, which means the whole passage of the day. So Rabbi Yehuda holds that that Pasuk is referring to when there's no base of Mikdash, so you're not bringing the carbon. When the base of Mikdash stands, everybody agrees. As soon as the carbon is brought, you're allowed to eat the new grain. But when there's no base of Mikdash, what's matter? Daybreak? Zuck Rabbi Yehuda, no. Only until the whole day finishes. So that's a drosha, it's a daraisa. So in other words, the one ton of the lone ton of Rabbi Yehuda holds that without the base of Mikdash is actually also a daraisa the whole day. So this is a tremendous shift in the Pshat and Rabbi Yehuda and Zaka. It's not Pshat Rabbi Yehuda and Zaka, it's making a the next year it's going to be rebuilt late in the afternoon and people are used to eating pancakes for breakfast. It's not the pshat. The pshat is that he dares from Midara that there's an issue actually that without the base of Mikdash it's also until the end of the day. Says the Gemara, Misavalakav, I'll say, from the Fukbalakav, Rabbi Yochum Zaka is not going like Rabbi Yudha, he argues with him. The time it says in the Mishnah, Mishachar, Rabbi Yochum Zaka, you know, Kula Asr. After the base of Mikdash was destroyed, Rabbi Yochum Zaka made an institution. He was misaking that the whole day was Asr. Omadah, Rabbi Yehuda, you're making a takano that it's Asr? Hello, Minatayra, who Asr? We don't need your takanos. We don't need your gzeros. It's Asr, me ikradin on a daraisa level. So he clearly, what seems like in that context is that Rabbi Yochum Zaka was making a din darabanan. And Rabbi Yehuda is responding, I don't need your darabanan, it's a daraisa. Now here, the Amoira, that Amoira of Nachman by Yitzchak is trying to say that actually Rabbi Yochum Zaka is in agreement with Rabbi Yehuda. That doesn't sound like that. So the Gemara says, no, Rabbi Yehuda Katai. Really, Rabbi Nachman by Yitzchak was right. Rabbi Yochum Zaka was just saying over Rabbi Yehuda Shita. Rabbi Yehuda made a mistake about what Rabbi Yochum Zaka was saying. Who suffered from Darabana Karma? He thought Rabbi Yochum Zaka was saying that it's also Midarabana. Velohi, that's not really the true intention of Rabbi Yochum Zaka. He was really saying that it's also Midaraisa. Actually, just like review this position. So the Mar says, Vahizkin Kaamar. It's not the language. The language is that he was Mesakin. When you hear the word Mesakin, what does Mesakin mean? Decree, institution. Those sound like rewards that you use when you're dealing with a Durabana. So the Mar says, My Hiskin, Darash Vahizkin. You have to say a little bit, use a little bit loose over here. He expounded on the words in the Torah and he therefore instituted. So according to Rabbi Nachman Yitzchak, we, we defend him that it was really Rabbi Yochman Zaka is a din to Oraisa. He shifted gears to the town of Rabbi Yudah. So in summary, everybody agrees when the base of Mikdash stood, 
the new grain is usher until the carbon is brought. Once the carbon is brought, it's mutter right away. Usually that was, at least from chatzot and on, it would take place. After the base of Mikdash is destroyed, what's the halach? It's machlokas. Some tanam hold midaraisa, so it's mutter with daybreak. Some tanam hold midaraisa, so it's usher until the end of the day. So one way of understanding Rabbi Yochanan Mitzaka here in our Mishnah is that he made a that it's also until the end of the day. If the base of Mishnah would be rebuilt only during the night, things might get delayed, and therefore we say only eat a uh, grain, new grain at the end of the day. Another interpretation is that he made a daraisa like Rabbi Yehuda, that it's also the whole day. All right. Did he even touch on the first half of the Mishnah? Why did they... No analysis whatsoever, right? Yeah, there was nothing to talk about. It was so interesting. Yeah, it seems like it's pretty straightforward, I guess. So, is the Daraisa to take in the base of Mikdash all seven days. Outside of the base of Mikdash, you only have a Lukach and Lachem by Yom Harishon. And then Ryukh Mazaka made a Takana to remember it. Yeah. For sure. Right, right. That's all part of what's for us. 100%. If the first day of Sukkot is a Shabbos. So again, in the Rishalayim, there's still a din that they're taking their lulav even on Shabbos. Again, we're going to talk about it's different only in Yerushalayim. So what's the problem though? You can't carry. So what are you going to do? So one thing that you see is that there was no Erev. Very interesting. They didn't have an Erev. So they had to have a system how they brought their lulav to shul before Shabbos. Now you have to be very careful because it has to be your lulav that you take the next day. So you have to have a system here. Kol and Erev. So because everybody brings, brings their shul, bring, brings it to shul. Everybody goes early to the shul. Everyone has to go find his own lulav in Olo. I don't know, they labeled it, they put it in their own spot. How would they figure it out? But there had to be a system. The reason they said this is because the Chachamim taught, you're not Yodse if you shake your friend's lulav. means it's got to be absolutely yours. But on the other days of Sukkot, actually, the other days of Sukkot, you are Yodse. The other days, it is fine. Now, there's a big machlokas that we showing him about what this line is saying. When is it true that the other days of Sukkot, you could use a borrowed lulav? Is that true only today? where the taking of the lulav days two through seven is midrabbanon to remember the Beis HaMikdash and that's why we're lenient, it doesn't have to be your lulav. Or even when the Beis HaMikdash stood and it was Dar Isa, it didn't have to be your lulav because the requirement of lachem is only written by Yom HaRishon. Kachem lachem is only says by Yom HaRishon. That's a big machlokas HaRishon. So definitely today, days two through seven, you could take your friend's lulav. But does the Mishnah here mean, or does the Mishnah here mean even in the Yerushalayim, in that scenario, when everything was Dar Isa, still the halacha was days two through seven, they were allowed to take their friends to live. That's a machlokas Rishonim. Okay. Says the, now, obviously the implicit din here in the Mishnah is, don't take your friends lulav, um, don't carry the lulav on Yantif. That's why they had to be careful to bring it on Arab circuits. So, if a person made a mistake, mistake, he carried it out. He's not Why? You carried it out with permission. What does that mean, permission? There's no permission. You're not allowed to be Chal Shabbos. It means because you were busy doing the mitzvah. And there's the say that if you're taught a bitvar mitzvah, even if you do a sin, but the sin came about because you were Mavubal in your mind trying to do a mitzvah, then you're Pater from Achiv Chatas. that's forbidden. No one is saying you're allowed to carry the rule of Anshabbos. Or Rabbi Yossi is saying is that if it occurred, 
then you're potter from being a Chaban Chatas. Well, let's see more about that in the Gemara. How do we know this? In other words, how do we know that what? Then the first day of Sukkot, you need to have your own Lulav. It doesn't say that one person should take. It doesn't say that the basin is taking on behalf of Kali Yisrael. But Lakachta means each and every Jew has to take. Lachem has to be for you, Mishal Lachem. That means you have to be the owner. The Hotsi is a Shabbos, it can't be borrowed, it can't be stolen. Mikan Amar Chachamim, the Chachamim expounded. The only way it can work is if it is given as a gift. If you give it as a gift, then it belongs to the recipient. That could work. If let's say after I'm Yotzi, I give it to you, that's fine. Because then you're the owner, that's fine. But if at the time that you're shaking it, you're borrowing it only, then you're not Yotzi. The bride who continues with this, Umayyad, there's a story about Rabbi Gamaliel, Rabbi Shuvah, Lazarus, Rabbi Zayv, Rabbi Akiva. All these Tanam Shavis, you know, they were going on a ship, and it was the first day of Sukkot. The only person with a lulav, when it says lulav here, it means all the dalamim. The only one who had it was Rabbi Gamaliel. Shalakach Bel of Zuz, he had part of it. He spent a thousand Zuz on his lulav and Esr. Another Rabbi Gamaliel, Yatzav. So first Rabbi Gamaliel took it and he did the mitzvah. He then gave it to, as a gift to Rabbi Yeshua. Not to Rabbi Yeshua, Yatsu, Rabbi Yeshua took it and he did the mitzvah. Then he gave it to Rabbi Yeshua as a gift. He took it and he did the mitzvah. He then gave it over as a gift to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva took Rabbi Yatsu, he did the mitzvah, and then he returned it to Rabbi Gamliel, who was the original owner. So, what the fact that the Bryce was mentioning, it's very important that each one gave it as a gift. That proves the point that the Bryce I made earlier that you're not Yotze unless you're the owner. That's why all these Tanam are being very careful to make sure to give it in the technicality of a gift and not just letting everyone borrow every Gamliel's Lulav. Says the fine, very clear. Says the Gamar, very simple question. Why do I have to say that at the end Rabbi Kiva returned it to Rabbi Gamliel? That's just like, that was a menschlich thing to do, right? Well, I Gamliel gave it away. But the nice thing to do is to give it back. But the Tanam wouldn't mention a point unless it was halachically relevant. So why does it mention that Rabbi Akiva gave it back as a gift to Rabbi Gamliel? Says the Gemara Milsag of Orcha Kamash Malan, telling us something by way. What's it telling us? That the case was that Matana Amanas Lahachser Shema Matana. This is a Lamdashazach. Let's say I give you a present with a condition. I can give you a condition. What, what's a condition? A Tanai is Milsachrita. I can make also a Tanai. I can give you a present on condition that you jump up and down 20 times. That means it's only yours if you fulfill it. I can give you a present only if it rains tomorrow. There are many sorts of conditions I can make. But what if I make a condition which is almost undermining the whole essence of what I'm doing? I'm giving you a matana, but it's almanas. The condition is that you return it. So is that a present? <laughs> By definition, present is not making yours. Here the stipulation is you're going to have to return it. That's not really a present. So somebody could say that, and that I'm just giving you it to you temporarily. That's not really a present. In effect, that's just borrowing. That's not a, then you're not the owner. So the Chiddush here that we're saying is that no, it is called Matana. And again, what's the Lambdas? Because the Tanai is Mibachot. The Tanai is not the essential act. The essential act is a present. Mi Etzem the Maisa is giving it to you forever. Happened to me, there's a Tanai on the outside that you have to give it back. It's fascinating. So it's still called the full flood Matana. And that was the case over here. The case was that Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Gamliel was giving it to them only on Manas and that's why it was important to say that Rabbi Akiva returned it. I'm giving you the Esrog only on condition you return it to me. Not the recipient takes it and he shakes it. If he ends up returning it, Yatza. He's Yatza because then he fulfilled the Tanai. So it turns out that, it, that, that the Matana was a good Matana. But if he doesn't return it afterwards, he wasn't Yatza. Why? Because since it was only Amanas and he wasn't fulfilling the Tanai, so it turns out it was never a Matana. 
It was only a matana. If it was on the stipulation, he's going to give it back. If it was not on the stipulation, he's going to give it back. And it's not a matana. Very gishmak. Says the Gemara. Why does the Tana mention Rabbi Gamliel bought it for a thousand zuz? This comes to show us how much Rabbi Gamliel cherished mitzvah. He was willing to spell to spend beyond the letter of the law a thousand zuz on buying Elula. Says the Gemara. Mar just continues with this theme of like loving mitzvahs, cherishing mitzvahs. My father, Amimar, he loved the mitzvah so much that he, he couldn't get enough of it. Even when he was davening, he would continue to hold the lulav. Meaning, he wouldn't put the lulav down. He held the lulav while he was davening. Now, that's a big chiddush. Because the Gemara says, when it says in the bride, you're not allowed to hold your tefillin in your hand. Or the Torah in your lap. While you're davening. Why is this? What's this halacha? So the idea basically, as Rashi explains, is that these things are holy. If you're holding something holy, then you're distracted because you have to make sure that you treat it well, you don't drop it, so you're not going to be able to daven properly. Sounds like the issue is only the fact that you're holding a holy item, not the fact that you're holding anything. That's what it sounds like at first, first glance from the bride's Furthermore, you're not holding You can't sleep at all. Remember, we learned that back in the beginning of the second paragraph. You're not allowed to sleep with tefillin. For Amar Shmuel added, Sakin, a knife, a plate of food, Kikar, a loaf of bread, umos, and money. They're the same. Meaning, even though they're not holy, you're not allowed to daven. Why? Because the same thing. You're going to be distracted. The knife is going to fall, you know, hurt your toe. The plate, the food will spill, the food's going to get ruined. The money will scatter, the loaf of bread will get spoiled. All these things, they distract you. So Shmuel added a bunch of other, other items to the list that you're not allowed to hold when you're davening. So what do we see from Shmuel's expansion of the list? That anything that might distract you, if it would fall, would be bad, you're not allowed to hold when you're davening. Now, a lulav, l'chayra, should fall under the same category. Because if a lulav falls, it's not good, right? Well, it's shudder when a lulav and esrog fall. It maybe becomes possible, get a nick, whatever, something can happen to it. So the shaila is, how could we be saying that Amemar used to daven with his lulav because he loved the mitzvah, very nice, he loved the mitzvah, but, but it's forbidden to pray holding something which can distract you. So the Gemara says, In the case over there, you're not mitzvahs to hold it in your hand. Therefore, you're just randomly preoccupied with it. Right? It's not something special. You're not connecting particularly to the davening when you're holding your wallet. The only thing that happens is you're nervous that your wallet is going is to fall. So that's a distraction. But hacha, by the rule of mitzvah ninu, the mice, it's a mitzvah. Below tarbu, therefore you're not preoccupied. So what are we saying? So Rashi explains that holding the lulav is a mitzvah. What does that mean? I already did the mitzvah. As soon as I picked it up, I did the mitzvah. So it seems like from Rashi, if you want to see Rashi, hacha, very important Rashi. The third to bottom Rashi, hacha, and tilasa, lukichasa mitzvah. Tosha chavi mitzvah lava, in masa shimur kavad lava lo tarbu. You see that you're continuing to do the mitzvah. The mitzvah is to take it. But if you continue to hold the lulav, you seem, there seems to be a certain like elasticity to the mitzvah. And you're continuing to do the mitzvah. So it's not just like a random cherishing of the mitzvah. Oh, I love the lulav so much, I'm going to hold it after I'm done with the mitzvah. It's more than that. The idea is that you're continuing to do the mitzvah. And as long as you're holding, the, holding it, it's actually considered to be a concept of a kiyamah mitzvah. And because of that, then we say it's not a distraction. We say that it's like all, you know, it's a wholesome thing to pray with the mitzvah. And even though, yeah, of course, I wouldn't be happy if it fell, but the, the concentration is, is there because you're elevated by the mindset of the fact that you're doing the mitzvah. So There's a really, really interesting concept of what's going on here in the Gemara. 
it's like a mental idea. Yes, it's true. If I'm holding something, I might fall and, and, and break. I'm distracted and I shouldn't hold it when I'm diving. But if the item that I'm doing is a key in my mitzvah and mentally, ah, oh, I have that simchas on mitzvah when I'm doing, so then it all comes together and my tefillah will be better and all is good. No, no mitzvah to hold the sefer Torah. There, it's just chibuv of a mitzvah. That's exact. That is exactly why I think the chiddush of the Rashi with lula, meaning pashas, I would say there's no difference between holding someone holding a lula that you know after he already picked it up and someone holding the sefer Torah. You love them. They're both you know special holy items. You see here in the Gemara, it's a Maritik Chedesh. No, the holding of the Lulav is the Chakiyah Ma'amitzvah. It's the Maisa Ha'amitzvah V'lekachtem. That's exactly the Chedesh here. So the Gemara, Tanya, it says in the Tzai Brais, So the Gemara, Chachem, and Hagum Sha'anshi Yishalayim, famous minok of the Anshi Yishalayim. Adam Yotzim, a base of Lulav a person used to, used to leave his house with the Lulav in his hand. Oluk Vaitzachnes Lulav Abiyado, he would go to the shul, he would continue to hold the Lulav in his hand. Kori Kriyishmas, follow the Lulav Abiyado, he would say Shema and Davin with the Lulav in his hand. Kori Batarif and Osiyah's Kapav. But when he goes to read the Torah or to Dochin, then he has to put down the Lulav. Certain things you can't do with the Lulav. Why is that? So it seems that we understand the Dochening, right? You can't raise your hands with the, holding the Lulav. But what about reading the Torah? So it seems like from here, Ashi says it means the person who has to roll the Torah. If you have to roll the Torah, you have to put down the lulav. But other Rishonim say it's because when you, when, you, when you learn from the Torah, you have to hold the Torah. That's where the minna comes from, that when you make, get an aliyah, you have to hold the Torah. When you make the bracha. At any rate, so then you put it down. When you go to do the mitzvah, comfort the mourners, right? visit the sick people, you hold the lulav. When you go to learn, then you send the lulav home. Why? It's not good to have a lulav when you're learning because you need total, your mind gets so absorbed. Who knows where that lulav is going? We don't want that happening. You get too absorbed in the limud. We see there's reasons how, how much they love, they love the mitzvah here. And they always wanted to be involved with it. There's reasons for the mitzvah. That's the chiddush that we wanted to bring out from the Anshi Rishonai. Shkarech